Right, go ahead with the logic. Okay, Mark, logic one and two, Mark. Houston, we are set. We have a cryo press light. Roger, copy, cryo press light. Apollo 11, this is uh, Houston. Minus 10, 9, 8. We have a go for main engine start. We have main engine start. 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Hello and welcome to Space Gen, the show where you find out all the latest from the space industry. You can catch our episodes on X-Ray FM every Wednesday at 8am or on SoundCloud by searching Space Gen. I'm your host, Daniel Trainer, and let's get into the news. Hello, I hope your day's going as well as it is for me, because I've just had a look at all the news that we've got for this week, and I'll tell you it's quite something. So what's the first story we're going to cover? Aha, the Russians on the International Space Station. First we had the Fedor robot going around with the drill, and whoa, miraculously, there's now a hole in the Soyuz spacecraft. What's going on? Well, the Russians say it's a secret and they're not going to tell NASA. But the astronauts uh, did plug the hole using epoxy, gauze, and heavy duct tape. I mean, seriously, just imagine that. Oh no, there's a hole in the ship, better go grab the duct tape. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, the Russians did launch an investigation into it. Uh, in the first few weeks, Roscosmos director Dmitry Rogozin first speculated that a micrometeorite might have punched a hole in it. And that's true, even with the space shuttle. I remember there was a story, a tiny little paint chip fragment hit the windshield of the space shuttle and it caused immense amount of damage. But this is where the story changes a little bit. He then suggested that the hole could have been drilled by a human, either accidentally or deliberately. Now, I'm not going to mention any names, but there was a AI humanoid robot on the space station. He may have possibly drilled a hole into the ship. Your next minute, you're going to have Arnold Schwarzenegger up there with Fedder drilling holes. Anyway, again, we don't know what actually happened because uh, it is still a secret. Roscosmos is currently the only agency capable of launching crews to the space station since NASA retired the space shuttle in 2011. As we know, NASA is readying American commercial crew vehicles from Boeing and SpaceX and expects to start running their own crewed test flights as early as this year. And we'll be hearing a lot of news about the Crew Dragon, which is from SpaceX, and Boeing's craft. But for now, the Soyuz is the only way astronauts can fly up and back down to Earth from the International Space Station. Elon over Twitter just made a comment about the new wing design. New wing design? Hmm, what does that mean? Well, unfortunately, that means the flags, as I like to call them, the leg fins, uh, are now gone. They don't exist on the Starship. They're totally have been removed and replaced now with a new wing design. Uh, and Elon said over Twitter that it would function more like a skydiver, which is quite interesting. Uh, we'll talk about that a little later. How could that maybe affect a Mars landing? How th could that affect a moon landing with no atmosphere? So the legs are actually going to be totally separate components. And another notable, and this is probably the biggest thing, the wings are way wider of an angle uh, from each other. Originally, they were like 110 degrees apart. Now they're like 170. They're really like on either side of the rocket. And that lines up very much with the skydiver concept. Now, the skydiver, if you've ever seen a skydiver, uh, you'll see that they surf, they kind of dive, and they surf the atmosphere. And that's exactly what Starship would do. So just imagine Starship coming in, flinging its wings back and forth to try and slow itself down. When it gets to a certain altitude from the ground, 
the top fins, which are just on the nose, will extend and it'll kind of pull the Starship with drag vertical. And that's when it'll fire its rear thrusters. So overall, this is a very, very efficient way of landing a rocket. Now, obviously with these Falcon 9, they do something similar, but it's not like this with the Skydiver concept. With the Falcon 9, it kind of comes in vertically. It's got those little grid fins on the side to make sure it's stabilized. And then it fires its engine just at the end when it's about to land, lowers its legs, and boom, you're done, right? Starship's going to be relying a lot more on drag with the atmosphere. And that means a lot of efficiency with very little fuel being used. Now, as I mentioned, what if you were to land on a surface that doesn't have an atmosphere, right? Like, for example, the moon. Well, obviously, it would actually be a little bit easier. There's next to no gravity and you would really only rely mostly on the cold air thrusters, which kind of gives the little bursts of thrust to keep it in the rocket's landing course. Now, something else very interesting. I didn't know that this was even happening. Nobody had an idea about it. There are now three Raptor engines already installed on the Starship. Now, as you remember, there was the Star Hopper. That only had one Raptor, and that lifted the whole thing. And after the test, Elon said, hey, you know what? That wasn't even at full tilt. We were just testing it safely. There's now three Raptors on the current Mark I Starship. So that'll be interesting to see. Are they going to maybe ramp the power up a little bit? Maybe go into orbit? We don't know. But it's very interesting nonetheless. They were actually hidden behind a concrete construction base stand thing. And it was very sneaky. Uh, nobody knew about it. And they just kind of snuck them in, installed them. And another really interesting thing that we just found out about is the Tesla batteries that have been installed on the Starship. You, you hear me correctly. The Starship has Tesla car batteries to power it. Now, currently, there's only two, uh, but that would be way more than enough power to deal with all the electronics that are going on. Uh, the reason why they're putting these battery packs in, and it might be part of the final design, we don't know. I mean, this is still prototyping stages, but the most obvious reason is that the solar arrays are obviously not going to be in the prototype just yet. And they might even figure out that they don't even need them entirely. But that's all going to be talked about on the 28th of September, which is when Elon's gonna do the big presentation about all the amazing updates. Now, NASA has just set 150 million aside for a space telescope that can detect asteroids coming towards Earth as part of the planetary defense strategy. Associate Administrator for the Science Mission Directorate, Thomas Subertchen, Again, I hope I pronounced that correctly, said that the new instrument could launch as early as 2025, but he emphasized it's not an official target date, it'll depend on how much funding the program receives. Again, 2025, we're talking 2024, 2025, all of these dates are very close to each other. So if the instrument was sent up, it would be able to detect 65% of undiscovered objects within five years. And over 10 years with the mission being extended, it'd be able to spot 90%. So we're talking about a wide scope. And again, you never know. We might have an asteroid coming towards Earth. We might not know about it. And to have something that can detect that coming towards us gives us a bit of time to plan ahead. Maybe we would all move to Mars in a big rush or something. It's time for an upgrade. NASA are going to be making a new spacesuit, and it should be tested on the International Space Station by 2023, which is a very close deadline for the 2024 full-on moon mission. Uh, now, just a little bit of a background. The EVAs that they currently have are quite old. They're quite a dated design. They're not very maneuverable, and it's, it's basically it's time for an upgrade. So the old ones were called EVAs, 
extravehicular mobility units. The new suits are going to be called XEMUs, and it's all part of the Artemis program and even the Gateway Space Station. So this is really critical that we have this suit all perfect and ready to go because we're going to need it. And if you think, oh, well, maybe they're just rushing and putting this together. This has actually been in development for quite some time, uh, way as far back as the early 1990s. There's been many space programs, and this might talk a lot about politics and how it affects the space industry, but there's been lots of missions that have been set by past presidencies, like George W. Bush. He set a Mars mission up, and then the funding got cut, and the mission was cancelled in 2010. But a lot was learned during that time, so nothing went to waste, and all of that information is being used to design to make the latest spacesuit prototypes. So some more big news. NASA has just given Lockheed Martin $4.6 billion to make six Orion spacecraft. Now, what does that mean? That's great news. That means we're going to be heading off to the moon with an Orion spacecraft. Now, this is for the Artemis mission, but it also ties up with the Gateway Project, which would be the docking in the lunar orbit and then obviously the landing onto the surface. So very exciting stuff. And on top of all of that, so the first three craft are going to be $2.7 billion. After that, the next three would be $1.9 billion, which I know, big numbers, right? But when it comes to space, we need to sometimes spend a little bit. And after all of that, they can order another six. So that means... 12. And could that mean 12 landings? Well, that's up to you to decide, but it's all been approved. So hopefully that means they should start construction of them very soon. And more in funding, just something to tie in, there is a Senate bill right now for $22.75 billion, and that's for funding for NASA in 2020. And just to break down the bill, $2.58 billion will be set for the Space Launch System, which we can talk about a little later. So that's more than $400 million above the 2019 levels. $1.4 billion will be set for the Orion, which we just talked about. The bill also provides $6.9 for NASA's science programs. So overall, the requests definitely add to a higher amount than what the 2019 level of funding was, which shows that there's a big push at NASA to get everything done by 2024. And to do that, they need this funding. Heading into a bit of a, a battle here, we have SpaceX, Blue Origin, United Launch Alliance, and Boeing, all contenders for the United Air Force Phase 2 plan. And what is that plan? Well, phase two basically is launching hardware and all the kind of gear that the United Air Force needs in orbit. And obviously, one of the major things the Air Force is concerned about is getting the best value for money. Now, actually, Lieutenant General John Thompson said in relation to reusing boosters, uh, that it is an option for national security space launches that they're very excited about adding to their portfolio, but it's not the only way to ensure that they get a strong bang for the buck. Now, I, I don't know about you, but using the word bang when you're talking about rockets, it's probably not the best thing, but, you know, it's, it's what he said. The main thing to take away from that is that they're more interested in getting the lowest price. And obviously, the lowest price is usually from companies like SpaceX who reuse the entire rocket or the majority of it. Now, interestingly, Blue Origin do have their own reusable rocket, uh, which might be ready for the deadline. And then you've got Boeing and ULA doing their own thing. So there's a little bit of a battle and hey, it might spur a little bit of creativity and push things forward a bit like what's happened with Starship. Here's a wild card, and we're going to have to talk about politics a little bit, because this is something that I think is going to be quite historic. 
So if you don't know, there's a movement called Cans UK. And what it is, is Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom getting together, allowing free trade and all of that, but most importantly, having a combined space agency. And we've got some news on this because this just happened. The UK and Australian space agencies just signed an agreement called SpaceBridge. And Dr. Graham Turnock, who's the CEO of the UK Space Agency, just said that the agreement will bring significant benefits to both thriving space industries, facilitating new trade and investment opportunities and the exchange of knowledge and ideas. And the reason this is very important is because this might spark another space race. But instead of being the US and Russia, it might actually be all of the allies against each other, which is nice, friendly competition, and it could end up with some really groundbreaking technologies being made. So watch this space. Heading into some Australian news. What's this? Australian news? Well, let me explain. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison just pledged to invest 150 million Australian dollars, which is about 102 million US, into NASA. And this is all in support for the 2024 moon mission efforts, which should be able to create a permanent home for humans on the lunar surface. Now, when I listened to Scott Morrison's uh, speech on it, he mentioned a couple of things. And one of the other things he mentioned was the Gateway Project. This is not just for the moon mission. This is for the Gateway Project, which is obviously something we talked about last week, which Bigelow were interested in being part of, which is that kind of like space station for the moon. It's a very small version. It's not going to be like the ISS that we have up in Earth's orbit. It would be a small station that the moon mission crews would use, and it would make building a base on the moon much easier. Uh, the other thing that was mentioned is that it would help Australian businesses get into space easier. Could that mean space tourism? Maybe when the Bigelow module goes up, there might be a space hotel. It's all very interesting stuff. And that, again, is 2024. Not that far away. Again, this is all news that just happened in the last week. This is how quick things are starting to move, and as I've said before, we really are heading into the space age. So if you like hearing about the news, make sure to tune in to Space Gen, broadcast every Wednesday at 8am on X-Ray FM.